0: Welcome to Truth's Table with Michelle Higgins, Christina Edmondson, and Akemeni Uwan.
1: Hey y'all, welcome to Truth's Table with Michelle, Christina, and Akemeni. Okay, so let's be real. Y'all know the Truth's Table promotional picture of the three of us looks like a natural hair ad, right? (laughs) (laughs) So let's put our hair stories on the table today. So what is your hair story? I know we could go on and on for hours about
2: this, but <laughs> but
1: tell us your journey.
2: <laughs> oh. Wow. <laughs> it's a lot, right? It is a lot. Um I've I've had natural hair most of my life. That's the way I think about it. Like most of my years on the planet, almost 40 have been a person who's had natural hair. And I don't even I don't And even the term natural hair is just kind of weird to me. Like, it's my hair. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's right. That's right. So I've had hair for my whole life. (laughs) Um, But yes, but I guess really it's more about making the decision to not uh, chemically straighten my hair is probably um, what we're talking about. I mean, I I grew up with a mom who has uh, naturally deep, wavy, black hair is what I saw as a kid. And in many ways, my mother for me is was and and is the standard of of beauty, not just uh, African American women's beauty, but beauty in general. And so I never thought that. um, Whereas I know this might be odd, but I I never really had a fixation on having straight hair. I don't I don't even I don't prefer myself with straight hair. Um, Every blue moon I will it will I will straighten it in order to get a haircut. I just I don't even know who that is. My husband is always like. I don't know who that woman is. Um, so it's so it, so at least for me in my little my little world, my little bubble. I know sociologically, it, it has huge implications for people. I know for me in my little bubble, um, yeah, there's never been an, a, a desire, or an obsession to have chemically straight or straight hair. So.
0: Yeah, I think that's I think that's a really good picture into knowing that every part of your body is also a testimony of who you are, like what's on the inside. We're we're never like judging people by what we see, but definitely what people choose to do with their bodies is how it's sort of the outflow of everything that they feel and they know about themselves. Like, who is that woman? You know, when your husband knows, uh, then you've expressed something about who you are. And that for me has been a huge part of making the decision to do. I like how Christina said, what does that mean? Natural hair. Right. Um, But to to end up with a a lot of different questions um, because I had straight, very straightened hair. I did relaxers till I was about 20 and just cut, did the big chop on (laughs) a college campus where it was eight black people. And Y'all know one day they (laughs) saw me with my relaxer and the next morning I walk in at uh, the mess hall to get breakfast and they were like, what is going (laughs) on?
1: Right, right, right.
0: And That's that's been 15 something years ago. Yeah. So there's always more <laughs> and more questions. And I've actually have begun to become more of who I have always been sure. by making it clear that this is I'm just choosing to express who I already am. You know, mm-hmm. my dad has called me Angela Davis since I was <laughs> Come on, come on. So I just figure I get that fro on it. There you go. There you go. The side.
1: And your handle is so fitting. Afro rising. I mean, come right. on. It's perfect. It's the, Afro rise, the Afro, the Afro file. I love mm-hmm. it. So how were how old were you when you got your first relaxer, um, Michelle? I must have been 10 or eleven. Mm.
0: Yeah, and and there's a lot of story behind that too, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. sociologically, man, we could go deep, right? Right. I think that Mm -hmm. there was sort of a thing for 80s and even a little into 90s, depending on how old you were in the 90s. There -hmm. was definitely a thing in the 80s for Black children to Mm -hmm. assimilate in ways that their parents who, my parents were in the Urban League. um, They were definitely radicals and realized they knew the struggles that lay ahead for the skin I'm in already. Right. So we made decisions based on how we presented ourselves. And so to free, to really be free and to say Black hair in its natural state is as worthwhile, as trustworthy, you know, refusing to be compared to whiteness, but saying Blackness is itself its own state that demands dignity, I think. They were down with it, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, but, yeah, it. yeah it was there's a lot to dismantle
2: when you get your first relaxer so young oh, I agree, yeah, I agree, I remember I think when I was in high school, it was um Lauren Hill was really big, this, mm. like yeahji's really, uh-huh. really big oh yeah, and I remember cutting my hair really, really short and having these little itty bitty twists in it, and um. At some point, things begin to transition from a hair fad mm-hmm. to a way of being. Mm-hmm. Um, and even now, I think in some of the, quote, natural hair circles, there's this kind of um, there are these two camps or I mean, everything gets so divided, right? But um, mm-hmm. where you have the people that are like, is that a fad or is that who you are? Mm-hmm. And I remember at some point having a very strong kind of mental transition of like, no, well, this is kind of who I like. This is who I am. This is, this is mm-hmm. what I do. Like, This is my hair. <laughs> Um, and yeah, I mean, it's just, it's like the other day, my daughter, who is my oldest daughter, who's 10, um, is, is, you know, she's in a school that's fairly diverse. It's probably about close to 50%, uh, uh, racial and ethnic minority, domestic minority kids. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but that's still different than the the school I grew up in, which was like 99% black in Baltimore. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so, um, my daughter for a while would say, like, well, you know, why can't my hair just be straight like mm. all the other girls? Like and I was like, What? <laughs> you know, Like that I had to like I had to take a moment to appropriately respond <laughs> to, to that yeah. to her wow. request, right? Right. With, wow. with, with without demonizing her friends that, you know, like I'm, there's nothing wrong with their naturally straight hair. That's that's good. That's their that's their hair, right? Mm-hmm. Um I just didn't want for my child to want to be something different than what she is. And then the other day uh, I washed her hair and I said, well, you want to wear it out like mine? And she was like, yeah, I think I'm going to do that. And I mean, I didn't want to do a do a dance around the table. But but inside I was like, thank you, Lord. Right. (laughs) Right. 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 Not because she has to emulate me, but this is how the hair grows out of her head. That's right. uh, It just it it was like a, a, a mom win moment of like, yes. We're doing something right. <laughs> that's deep, right? Yeah. That's deep. Yeah. I, my my story goes
1: pretty deep. I mean, um, I know that, you know, it's interesting that you said that, um, Christina, about, you know, how she's like, oh man, looking at her classmates' hair sure. and thinking, man, how come my hair's not straight? And it's crazy because her mom is natural, you're natural. Right. And so I think right. Oftentimes I, I usually I usually think, man, I wonder if my mom's hair was natural. Maybe I would have wanted to wear my hair natural. But that's not always a guarantee. Right. Yeah. Because of uh, the social cues and, and the standards of beauty that um, our children see, even though it's much uh, it's, it's improving. Right. Uh, and this this revolution has been great um, with regard to the natural hair front. But but I think back to my own childhood and, uh, yeah, it runs deep. I mean, I'm, I'm a child of the 80s, born in early 80s, uh, grew up in the 90s. You know, consciousness was big. Uh, Yet folks were still sporting their jerry curls and their perms, their relaxers, and <laughs> I have a jerry curls. Yeah, and their weaves. And I'm that for me right now, I just want to make it clear we're not policing anybody's hairstyles or yeah. choices. You do what works for you. You know, yeah. I, I have to talk about what, you know, what was real for me and what was motivating a lot of that. Obviously, I'm seeing, you know, uh, you're seeing new addition, you're seeing all these people rocking their jerry curls, so you want it too, right? Mm-hmm. But you see your mom rocking it. Right, So my mom had her, her, her S curl popping, you know, in the eighties. And (laughs) I think, let's see, I think I got an S curl at home. Okay. Uh, S curl kit. And my mom put it in when maybe I was, I must've been maybe six. Right. So I had the curls popping for (laughs) for a minute and I'm a soul trained child, right? Yes. Today, my mom would do my hair, um, and we'd be watching Soul Train. It would come on at twelve noon in California. I always remembered, and yes. yeah, we'd be watching the dancers. But who did I gravitate toward? Which is this is another story. But but I gravitated toward the Asian woman. <laughs> Y'all remember her? I think her name oh was my Cheryl. Cheryl Wong.
2: Hey, I think. Her name right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's getting real.
1: (laughs) Why? But why did I gravitate to her though? Because she had that long straight hair that went down to her butt or maybe behind her. Maybe below her butt. I (laughs) I remember being a little girl, you know, taking my mom's Ankara fabric. Okay, so just think of the irony there and putting that over my head and swinging my hair, imagining to have that hair like hers. So, yeah, I mean, you grow up, you know, dark skin, girl with kinky hair in California. Mm. Um, In the 80s, not so much. That wasn't the hot thing in the streets, you know. and so uh, so, yeah, so in a lot of ways, I was trying to assimilate. you know, I didn't yeah. grow up loving my hair. That wasn't something that was um, you know uh, taught to me or something that my mom was conscious of because she was also um, you know putting on the curls and everything, and you, know, you do what you can, you know, but I do wonder, like, dang, what would have happened? Like, I don't know what would it would be like now if I had children, would they love their natural hair now that I'm rocking mine so Sure. I um went through a lot of phases. So then I got a relaxer, I think it was a TCB, um, when I was eight. <laughs> yeah, I know. Okay, I've been I know. Really- dark and lovely. <laughs> that was TCB and African Pride, okay? African yeah. Pride. That's an just, irony, too. Help us, right? God. Help well,
2: us. Well, they had the, whole, the the Just For Me, Kitty perbs, too. And oh, I, I love yeah. Just For Me. I think yes. I had, like, a Just For Me kind of thing. Which that's that's just, right. But, but think I, about I, the name of that. Like, Just For You.
1: That's right. <laughs> oh, yes. my gosh. I had Just For Me because it's a the theme song. You already know, okay? Yes. Yes. Oh, J-U-S-T. J-U-S-T. Yes. <laughs> that was a great song. It was. Kind of it was awesome. J-U-S-T. T F O R me. Yes, y'all remember. Y'all remember. Oh yeah. Right. And high school trying to assimilate, having straight hair and all of that. You know, it wasn't swinging in the in the wind at all, right? It was stiff and just, you know, (laughs) looking dead. But you know, (laughs) (laughs) you know, uh, but I think it was in 20, and then I became a kitchen beautician. So I was always pretty skilled with doing my own hair. So I would do, you know, give perms to the girls in the neighborhood. I'd do my mom's, you know, I'd do trims. Like that was kind of hey. What I did, you know, because we didn't have no money, so we had to say, <laughs> "That's right." I need a trim now. Great, so, <laughs> right. so, so I did those things, you know. And then it was in 2011, and I straight, I stayed rock, wa- rocking weaves and wigs and all of that, which I still do, okay, because um, I <laughs> love, like to change my hair. It's an accessory for me. Uh, But in 2011, yeah. is really when I started to transition, big chop, because mm-hmm. I just because I didn't, and if I'm honest, I didn't really. I thought I would look ugly if mm-hmm. I did a big chop, like, you know, let's just be mm-hmm. really honest here. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I was really in a process for me, it was de- it was a long process of decolonizing my mind, you know, mm-hmm. from the European, you know, standards of beauty that I had, uh, imbibed and taken in. Uh, and so it took a long time. So i First, I didn't really love my natural hair. It really, it was a process Mm -hmm. of understanding Mm -hmm. and re-understanding what this, what this looks like, you know, to have this beautiful kinky curly hair growing out of my head. Now I love it, you know, but if I'm honest, I was used to having that straight weave, that yacky in my hair. (laughs) And I was looking at my short kinky 4C hair, like, "Mm, I don't know about this. But, you know, in time, of course, you, you know, now I've been natural for five, no, about to be 6 years now next month actually mm-hmm. so and i love it now so and that brings up a really important factor for
0: hair in general you know like a kimini said we are doing the same thing that that we did, maybe accidentally conditioning each other to see only straight hair is beautiful. It's a a communal exercise. And that same communal exercise happens in dismantling the idea that only a particular hairstyle is beautiful. Mm -hmm. So how have we seen actually our friends come around us and say, the big chop is beautiful. Transitioning with extensions is beautiful because you're... Expression of who you are is really the end result of doing yeah. the beauty of your body as a piece of not just your story, but participating in a community. That has long had their story stamped out and erased. You know, mm-hmm. we are writing our story of blackness, of womanhood. Mm-hmm. And we're doing that with our bodies. You know, we're already little epistles, right? Yeah. So how is God actually writing his story? On our bodies by showing us to show the world that his image is flat in all kinds of characters, (laughs) right? Yes, I love reading some of these natural hair blogs where people are like, "For real, for real." I don't, I can't do Talia Wajid or (laughs) moisture is my best friend. I'm going, I'm in debt. I'm in debt, (laughs) y'all. You've got like mixed chicks, all this stuff that there's actually a little bit of the kitchen table discussion going on, whether it's online or whether we still do kitchen cosmetics and kitchen beauticians. I think it's beautiful to have such a diversity of stories come together, which is what I experienced. I did the big chop and I was like, "Mm, I don't have a face for this. (laughs) First of all, it just made me look more like my father who is such a man (laughs) And there's this sort of presumption that if you look masculine, what is that anyway? That's another episode. But if you look masculine in any way, you're not attractive. And all of a sudden it dawned on me, I am living under the presumption that unless I am seen as desirable by a man, that everything I do with my body is worthless. Hmm. So what we do with our hair, what we do with our figures, our faces, it all has to come down to either being making women jealous or making men want us. Totally. And so, natural hair is that thing where it's like, first of all, I am showing you what I enjoy, and it's not
2: self-centered; it's informative. Right. So, yeah, it's it. I mean, it. I mean, everything we do, the words we say, what we don't say, what we wear, what we don't wear—all of these things are political and spiritual statements, whether we want to own that or not and i think for me i have a very strong sense that when i wear my hair straight these rare o- occasions mm-hmm. um people treat me differently like i have a mm-hmm. um, and i know that me me in straight hair makes other people feel comfortable
1: mm-hmm.
2: people mm-hmm. are more comfortable with me when i wear straight hair and then and quite frankly and i and i agree with you Akimini, about the idea of like it's it's not a space of being judgmental, like you have to wear your hair natural. I, I know for me, I it actually makes me more wedded to wearing my hair natural and not straightening it at all hmm. because of the comments that I get make me so uncomfortable. Oh. And, they, and they really do strike a chord of this sense of, um, you know, if it's not white, it's not right. Yeah. And so when I hear people say things to me when my hair is straight on these rare occasions, like, Oh, see, then look at how neat your hair looks now. Mm. So neat, ah, yeah. Um, or yes. mm-hmm. you know, or that, or that's, or that's professional. Or mm-hmm. oh, I, oh, I really, really, really like you like this. I mean, well, I like you the other way too, but you know, I really, really like you. <laughs> right, right. All, all of that for me, and I don't think that's their intentions, but it, it for me it just goes into a backpack of like, yeah, that's why I'm kind of not going to straighten my hair Um, Mm -hmm. because I I have a strong sense that I am simply more acceptable to our culture and our society when I sign on to things that are associated as Eurocentric standards of beauty. And I I think also for me, we'll talk about this down the road, Mm -hmm. um, you know, being a person who has light skin, I joke with my husband that I'm light, light, light brown skin, Um, And he'll be like, "No, you're light skin." I'm like, "I'm not,
1: not light skin. You you're light. Right. <laughs> like.
2: you I'm light skin. Y'all, y'all didn't see me, okay? Um, <laughs> Ain't no future in your fronting. No front. <laughs> it's the way the Lord made me, y'all. Um, <laughs> embrace, you know. You know, hey, the you, can, Lord. you know. This is what it is. This is what it is. That's right. right. <laughs> but honestly, I think that combination of, of being a person who has dealt with, you know, the, the colorism thing, we'll talk about down the road as well. Mm-hmm. It's just. It's the proximity of those two things together, my hair and my complexion. Um, and for me, those things kind of live together. And so that statement of saying that no, I, I am a black woman. When I look in the mirror, I see a black woman. Um, I see my mother and my grandmother and my aunts and my cousins and my sister. And these are women of integrity and of beauty and and, and this act, this, this mm-hmm. the way that I choose to wear my hair is an expression of solidarity with women all across the spectrum of the African diaspora. Hmm. And so it it unites me with that group of women. And it's not a sense that I don't want to be united with other women, but I think um, it's just an attempt to really push back intentionally on this, this standard of beauty, which quite frankly is is designed to divide us and for us to cheapen our value. And I am, I'm steadfast and convinced that I'm going to agree with God about my value. Right. I'm going to agree brave. with God about the value of black women, the way that they're made, the way they've been socialized, the God's providence and kind of designing where they would be even today. I'm just going to agree with God about that and see black women as beautiful. Um, mm-hmm. And so the, so the hair for me, where it may not be a big thing for other people, it really is a it's a it's a spiritual expression mm-hmm. um, that I think what God did is good. Um, and that God is st- is still doing these good things in the world, and our bodies can be a representation of that.
1: Man, preach! Yeah, right, preach. that's on. a good word. Y'all were dropping <laughs> some good gems. I mean, I was just thinking about, you know, how we're talking about. I think Christina was you how we're talking, or maybe it was Michelle talking about how, you know, it's, it, this is like a communal mm-hmm. um, experience, right? And right. so it, we can't really define, or, or there's no cookie cutter. Approach right to yeah, to uh, what this journey will look like uh, for for each of us. So it's all very different. We all have different motivations as to why we did them and how it impacts people uh, within our community. And it's also very interesting how our hair can be so political. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's like, uh, and that's not something that we want to own or it's not something that we that's something that's forced upon us, right? By society. Mm-hmm. Um and, and and we it's something that we we learn, you know, that this becomes a real um a site of like political import, you know, <laughs> when it comes something that grows out of our hair. It's like, mm-hmm. really? <laughs> But it's just a trip. And so I, um, so when I was thinking about the communal aspect, I remember when I first went natural, I was the first one in my family to go natural. I'm always the first one to do something right. And so, and I'm always changing my hair. This is just what I do. And so, um, and I remember my mom kind of making those, that comment like, uh, it doesn't, no, my grandma was grandma. Okay, African grandparents, boy. So she was like, yeah, Hey, it doesn't look neat. It doesn't no, no, no. Please, please straighten it." And I was like, "No, Grandma, this is the way God made me. You know, my grandma, her little S curl. She's like, okay, you know. But <laughs> after a while, you know, she gonna keep that S curl till Jesus call her home, and that's hey, fine. Okay, that's all right. That's <laughs> all, right. all right, and was all right. Let him use it. And my mom too, was because. <laughs> Oh, no, you know, so you so they were also impacted by colonialism, right? Being Nigerian, exactly. they were born there, so there's a whole lot of baggage that they bring to, you know, to this whole conversation. But I've seen over time, Grandma loves my hair now. Mom is on the natural hair train. She ain't, she hasn't put okay. a relaxer in her hair in years. She still wears her, um what's the thing that everybody's wearing now? Interlock. She's been born no since the '90s, oh, and wow. so she hasn't relaxed her hair. She's like on board. So it's just interesting how you just, like you said, we're kind of wearing a living epistle in some ways, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying, trying to compare with the word, but really, um, this experience really, you know, you embody this and you kind of are a, an example for other people. If they mm-hmm. choose to go on a journey, if they don't, then that's fine. But, um, and, and with regard to what you were saying, Christina, about um, how people respond to you differently when your hair is straightened. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't worn my hair straightened so long in, I get heat damage and all that stuff. So that's a different story. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay. So I'm like, well, I can't straighten my hair. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, that doesn't surprise me that people, you know, respond in that way, right? Because they want to be able to be comfortable. And for some reason, this natural hair that that defies gravity is uncomfortable for people. You know, mm-hmm. and, and it's just, and I don't think we always understand how all of us have been impacted. That's white, black, sure. yellow, brown, like, you know, Everybody's by this, right. That's this right. faux standard of beauty. I think even white women with curly hair struggle with this in some regard. Oh, um, yeah, true. Well. That's yeah, um, true. Absolutely. And then you have the blonde brunette thing. I'm not trying to put it on par with our struggles because ours is much, <laughs> it's much deeper, but I mean, uh, you see these things where it's just like there's only this one standard and everybody has to assimilate to that. And yeah. so when we go natural, we are... Um, for better or for worse, we're making a political statement here. Yeah. So we're saying, you know what, our womanhood as, as black women, our womanhood has always been challenged, you know? And I mean, mm-hmm. from the times of slavery and still now, where there's always been this um, I notion or idea that we're somehow not quite as feminine as white women, right? right. We're not quite, we don't hurt as much, you know? Uh, we're able to do, take on a lot more. You know, than they are, which are all myths. We're human, right? Uh, we are magic, but you know, um, but, but we're human. real. But uh-huh. we're, we're real, you know. Yeah. Um, so it's just, it's really deep when you really think about uh, the, the choice of actually going natural and what the, those implications are. Um, and it, re- it does, it requires, it, it, it begins to infuse confidence, I think, um, and help. Uh, Healthy confidence, I would say. Um, Which is the thing that we have to,
0: I think it's the thing that we have to actually intentionally share, right? You right know, right. what? what is the thing right. that has happened since natural hair has made not so much of a comeback, as much mm-hmm. as it become a bit more public and more accepted. We now have natural hair envy. And so wow, confidence is something that we now also have to use in community. So the confidence that Akemeny has experienced, the confidence that Christina has long had, we now have this sort of, I mean, you hate to make it as big as a calling, but sometimes Black solidarity looks like telling our sisters that we ain't all gonna be as flat as Curly Nikki. We just ain't. right.
1: Come on, tell the truth. Tell the truth. (laughs)
0: <laughs> and you can't stamp a uh LOC conditioning practice on every single system, right? You know, right. we we have this chance to say to each other the same way that we are deconstructing all of the prescriptions put upon us to look European, to straighten this, to mm-hmm. Condition that we also are doing away with this step by step. You have to do this to your natural hair if you're gonna quote unquote survive doing natural hair, right? Wow. So wow. I think it's a wonderful opportunity for the four C's and the three A's to to really get together and say, "Girl, we all fly," but um, wow. so we accidentally fold into that. I think. I, Thing we always accidentally
1: end up in sort of this comparison. Oh this yeah. Stage. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know that's just that's so that's as natural as Lord. <laughs> you know, everything. It's, just, it's everything, right? That's just <laughs> that, you just see it outworking a sin there because even in the natural hair community, you you do see those divides, right? Between, oh, absolutely. Between the the three A's and the right. I think there's a two I think there's a two A and two B's. The ones with the looser, you know. Um, Mm-hmm. Hair, hair type, you know, curly, you know, like maybe the, um, I'm thinking here of maybe Tracy Ellis Ross. So, mm-hmm. you know, everybody oh, sure. that cuts sure. off their hair. They, I know when I cut off my hair, I was thinking my hair was going to be somewhat like that. And I was right, like, oh, no, right. it I was like, wait, <laughs> I can't just watch anybody's old, right? I needed to go to somebody that had hair that was similar to mine. That's so, great. African Export was my go to uh, person that was. Was really, she's a, a sister out of Oakland, mm-hmm. and um, yeah. she just had long, kinky, four be 4C hair. And I could, you know, emulate a lot of, you know, the styles and mm-hmm. you know uh, products that she was using. But there is that, the reason why 4C chicks even um, as a community exists is because oftentimes you don't see our hair lauded That's right, as sure. the standard, I'm right? Again, so you see it again, manifesting itself even within the community, which is why I always say decolonizing your mind really is a lifelong process. Like I have not arrived. You know, I'm decolonizing my mind from so many different things. Um, I think that, but you see some of that colonization happening even within the natural hair community, which, you know, if you understand how sin works, it's not surprising, right? But it is like, dang, I thought we were supposed to get woke and we not, we not there.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what? There's a a lot of money to be made in insecurity, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a word. And when our bodies, and think about the history of Black women in America, our bodies are, have been... Uh, A part of commoditization, right? So Mm -hmm. pieces of us uh, historically have been sold, and so yeah, I mean, to to push back and say, nope, that's not for sale, or no, I'm not going to sign on to that particular model of who I'm supposed to be. um, You, you once again get the weightiness of that political, that political statement, and that's right. And then even within that that community, like you're bringing up Achimney, that kind of Mm -hmm. the. Um, the hierarchy that you'll see, like the Tracy Ellis Ross hair, like that's, that's people's yeah. goal. And I'm like, well, you know, I don't know. She's rich and famous. I mean, like I need like a normal person's hair. Right. So, um, yeah. and, but, but you see, you see those standards. And I, I remember talking to some, some young women about essentially going natural and they, they don't even know what their natural hair looks like. Like it's like, it's been chemically treated for so long. They don't even have a that sense of what, yeah, they don't know what it looks like. And then what they, what they what they would say to me was, Well, Christina, you know, that's easy for you to say because you've got the good hair. Mm. Mm-hmm. And, and which is which is funny to me because uh you know th- that's a that's a relative term. Oh no, because that's right. that's because from that's right. from their vantage point, I have the quote unquote good hair. Mm-hmm. But probably for the person who wants to have the Tracy Ellis Ross hair, I I don't, right? Mm. And, so, right. and so it so it becomes a conversation about like, you know. But is it good to you? (laughs) Right. Is it is it good in the sense that, like, you know, God has allowed it to be and it's an expression of uh, his creativity of diversity on his planet. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, That's when it becomes good. But, yeah, that that turf war that you see is just an expression of kind of our sin nature popping up again. Pitting us yep. against each other. That's right. Uh, playing this game. And then from a, and from a you know, more so kind of racist or uh, standard, it's, well, what's more white like? Yes. Because right. that's really what that good hair conversation is about. Like, you know, whose hair is most white like? Exactly. Um, oh, exactly. And so once again, pushing back on that again and saying like, well, no, my, my white sister has white hair. <laughs> my black <laughs> sisters have black hair. <laughs> right. You know, and we're what different.
0: God calls good is good enough. Amen. When God yeah. calls good, we don't get to
1: add to, right? Yeah, what God calls good is great. Yeah, that's right. that's right. We got so we got to catch up with God. You yeah, we got to think Come God's up. thoughts after him. That's what we have to do. You know, that's part of what decolonizing your mind. That's really what it means, mm-hmm. right? thinking God's thoughts after him, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so this was so good, ladies. Uh, we we got to continue this conversation. So thank you so much for taking a seat at the table with us this week. Let's keep the conversation going. Share your hair story with us using the hashtag TruthsTable and follow us on Twitter at Truths Table. Or email us your thoughts at truthstable at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes and subscribe on the Satchel podcast player. Truth's Table is a collaborative effort between the Reformed African-American Network and Pottery Studios. You can learn more about the Reformed African-American Network by visiting rannetwork.org. Our producer for the show is Bo York, and we have been your hosts, Christina, Akemini, and Michelle. We'll see you soon on the next Truth's Table.